All right, well, um, if you've been here the past few weeks, you know that we are in the middle of a, a series, and if you haven't or haven't been able to catch any of the sermons quite yet, um, we are in the middle of a series called Meet in the Middle. The premise is that you, we have two different topics that te- they seem to, to fight against one another, that they seem to, to battle against one another. And we're trying to figure out how these two different concepts and thoughts work together and meet in the middle. And so the past few weeks, we've had um, some amazing sermons. Um, If you have pulled anything, anything from these sermons, can we just hear a round of applause? I mean, I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I know I have pulled... Um, from this series already. I hope you have as well. But today, today the topic is, is truth versus love. Truth versus love. Obviously, we will dive into this and, and break this down further. Uh, this is kind of the smart versus heart scenario here. Um, I, I could use a little more up here, but um, I've got plenty here. I, I had to admit to my life group, we've got several couples in our life group, and um, I had to just admit that I'm probably the most emotional one out of the whole group. So I've got plenty going on right here. Uh, I, I'm just an emotional mess sometimes. It's ridiculous. But um, before we go any further, let's go ahead and just say a quick word of prayer uh, over this sermon that he would speak Uh, and we would hear clearly. Lord, we love you so much. God, I pray that you would just have your way here today, that you would speak your word so clearly, so vividly, so that we could receive it, that it could impact us in a way that will cause us to to think differently, that will cause us to, uh, in turn, change our, our actions Uh, as we go into our world and as we strive to be uh, a close follower of you. In Jesus' name, have your way. Amen, amen. Amen. I recently had to take a big exam. Uh, It has been a few years since I've had to study for an exam, and some of you students are like, yeah, yeah. We get it. We do it all the time. But for me, it's been a while, and I'm sure many of you would agree. It's been a little bit since you've had to really, like, study for an exam. It was a big exam. And um, I'll tell you what, I just kind of, I had this, like, anxiousness, this, like, I was stressing out over this exam. And if you can put yourself back in those, like, big exams, like those finals that, like, you've got to make sure that you, you get this, you pass, you, you move on, right? And so I started pouring into studying for this thing. The company I was doing it through had this really elaborate, well-thought-out, structured study guide online where I could just go in there at any time, and I could pour through it and just do as much studying as I could. I spent 20-plus hours just trying to study for this thing, and I, I felt like I was starting to get it, and then I took one of those practice exam, or practice tests, and then I realized I wasn't getting it, and, and uh, so then I had to go back to, to studying and practice tests, doggone it, 
study, back and forth. It was terrible. And so uh, the day of the exam, I'm still kind of stressed. I'm stressing like, oh my word, it's six o'clock tonight. Like the time has run out. I've got to get after this. And um, so I woke up early before work and I got like a couple hours of studying in. And then I started work. My lunch break, I, I got back to studying and I'm trying to cram it in, and, and so then I got back to work, and I took, I took a two-hour two break at the end of, uh, end of work. I took two hours off at the end of work just to get last-second studying in. Anyone remember those days? Like, and you students are doing it right now, but, you know, you're stressed. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, I can't screw this up. And so then I, I head there, I walk in, I'm just like sweating bullets, you know, the armpits are rather damp, um, and I'm, I'm just freaking out. I go in there, I, I turn on the computer, I start the very first question, I'm like, is this like what I studied? Because like, I don't, this isn't even the same words, nothing even looks right. And, and so I take this exam, it's timed. I only have two hours. Guys, this is ridiculous. I'm just like freaking out. And I walk out afterward. I pick up the paper and I passed. I passed. Yes. Yes. I was so relieved. I can't even tell you how relieved I was. But I kind of built that up to say, what if, what if I pose to you that you had to take this exam. It's a huge exam. It's, it's so huge, in fact, that your very life depends on it. Like you have to pass to save your life, like that big of an exam. I was taking it for life insurance, not to save my life. And, and so can you imagine the stress? I was freaking out with a life insurance exam, let alone for to save my life. And to add to it, you've got to pass this exam to save your life and you don't get this beautiful study guide. You don't even know what to expect. You just go into it panicked with no direction, no guidance, no nothing feel pretty hopeless? Well, today, as I mentioned, we want to talk about truth. We're going to start with truth because truth is that study guide. Truth is that instruction. It is that guidance for our life exam. So I'd like to go uh, to John 14, verse 6. And so you might be wondering, well, truth seems like a very broad kind of thing. So can we, what is truth exactly? And so when we look to John 14, 6, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus tells his disciples, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. If we flip to, to John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews 
who had believed him, these are believers, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So the truth that we are looking for here is Jesus himself and his word. That is what reveals the the truth, the instruction that we need to live our life and to pass our life exam. So let's look at some of the benefits of, of truth. Why do we need truth? What does it do for us? Well, we just read that truth will set you free. Truth will set you free. If you think about it, when you are studied up for an exam and you feel confident going into it, you feel more confident. You don't have all the stress and the the panic. You have some sort of peace, unless it kind of depends on the subject. If it was an English exam, I'm I'm in trouble either way. (laughs) But, But... If you have the truth and you know the truth, then it it sets you free. You you have this peace because you know, you know right from wrong. Like you have the instruction, you have the answer key, you know right from wrong. You know what to put your faith in, you know what to believe, you can stand firm in that, and you know how to live your life. Last week, Dustin spoke on spiritual maturity. And he was talking in Ephesians chapter 4 where at that time they were were early believers. They were still like children in their their spiritual walk. They were still like children. And so it talked about how they can be tossed to and fro with the waves and the wind of the different philosophies and the different doctrines. They were easily swayed because they didn't quite know the truth yet. But when you know the truth, you are free. You have surety, you know. So that's one benefit. Another benefit is the fact that you know the truth allows you to then share the truth. It allows you to share the truth with those that don't know the truth. And we know that Jesus has called us to do that. He told us to do that very thing, no matter whether it's a stranger, no matter what, whether it's a neighbor, a family, or a friend that we are, we are to share the good news of the truth, Jesus, and what Jesus has done for us. The, the Great Commission, uh, we talk a lot about the Great Commission here because that's like the mission we're all on together. The Great Commission said, so go therefore, go therefore. And make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and and teach them to obey my commands. Teach them to obey the truth. So Jesus himself told us directly after, this was after he, he had been risen from the dead. He said, go tell everyone else of the truth. So that's something else that we are to do with truth. Another thing is, is for those that are already believers, we are to encourage one another with truth. We are to encourage one another and we are to, to be accountability partners for each other. Uh, who knows that when you are exercising and working out, to have an accountability partner is helpful 
like it's, there's someone there to help you through. Uh, I, had, uh, I had not worked out in, in like years, like consistently lifted weights in years. Um, and Ryan, uh, he reached out to me earlier this year. It was like the beginning of COVID, March. And he said, hey, what do you think about working out and like lifting and, and doing it together? I said, yeah, let's do it. So we started lifting. We were doing it consistently. I was feeling good. You know, we're getting, making some progress. And then my work picked up and, and Ryan's work picked up. I guess kids had to go back to school. It's ridiculous. Um, and so his work picked back up. And then I got COVID, which really threw it all off. And, and so Ryan, um, I felt bad because we were working out in my basement. And he couldn't even come over to work out. So I felt like I was holding him back. He went and got a gym membership, and so now he's doing his thing. He's still doing great. I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing good. I need an accountability partner in my life right now. I think I've worked out like twice in the past like two and a half months. It's uh, terrible. Um, so we are to be accountability partners to each other. It's helpful, right? It, it helps us to be able to hold each other accountable. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, us, should restore that person. We are to be accountability partners for each other. The problem is, and this is where we get into the slippery slope of truth, that the downside is that it's really easy to slip from accountability partner to judging. It's really easy to all of a sudden find ourselves up on a pedestal that we've put ourselves on and then looking down and judging others. Like there's, a, there's kind of that fine line, you guys know what I'm talking about, where you, you go from a healthy thing to then all of a sudden you've put yourself up above others. And so now we have slipped into judgment. And we know that Jesus taught us on the, his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verse 1. We'll take a look at that. It says, Jesus was telling uh, thousands of people, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? So we can't, we can't fall victim to this. We can't fall victim to going from accountability partner to judging. Amen? Amen. Amen. Another, another slippery slope here on the truth side of things is that Dustin again spoke to this last week. He used the term flexing our biblical knowledge. Like we'll start seeking truth. We'll start seeking knowledge in his word, but we use it to puff ourselves up so that we can, we can talk down to others, like make them feel like they are, are lesser than you know, have you ever met anyone where it's like they're thumping you over the head with the Bible? It's like, whoa, is it supposed to work like this? But that is another slippery slope that we fall into is where 
we start flexing our biblical knowledge on others to make ourselves look better than others. The Pharisees were pretty awesome at this. The Pharisees, we see in the New, throughout the New Testament that they, they knew their stuff. They knew the law. They knew uh, the, the, the truth in the regard of the law. They knew their stuff really well, like could tell you. Books, five books, off of their memory, word for word, that's how well they knew it. But the problem was is that they were in the wrong posture because they had Jesus Christ, the Messiah, right in front of them. And they were so hung up on this law and this truth that they missed out. Can you imagine missing out and, and in fact, trying to trip up the Messiah himself? Ugh. They had the wrong, wrong posture. Let me ask you this question. Who loves spending like a long, drawn-out evening you start mingling in the kitchen. You're getting dinner together. You go to the dinner table. You're, you're, you're hanging out. You're enjoying some food. You make your way to the, the couch in the living room, and you're lounging. You're chilling, and you are just hanging out and talking with a know-it-all. Like when, when you're hanging out with someone that just already knows everything, it's not very rejuvenating. It's not very fulfilling, relaxing. It's just kind of, uh, have a good evening, you know? You guys know what I'm talking about? So, so when we get into this place where we know the truth so much better than you, and we know it all, we've already got it all figured out, we got to start backpedaling a little bit, and we got to think about our posture. Amen. So that covers kind of the truth side. Let's swing over to the love side. The love side. So we talked about what is truth. Well, what is love then? What is love? Let's, let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and, and knows God. And next verse, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. We see here uh, in this verse that God is love, and that if we love one another, that we are children of God. It says we're born of God by the way that we love each other. We love him and we love each other. That is how we know we are born of God. If we jump forward to, to verse 12 here, it says, if we love one another, God abides in us. I love that. The, the feeling that comes with that. I don't know about you, but God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. When we go to the source, when we go to the source that is God, that is love, 
He abides in us and his love will perfect our love. Awesome, right? The other reason why we know we need to love is because, again, Jesus told us to. Jesus told us to. And the, the greatest commandment in Matthew chapter 22, we have a Pharisee. We just talked about the Pharisees. The Pharisee is trying to trip up Jesus with truth. He's trying to trip him up with truth. And so Jesus replies here and he says, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we are to love God and love others. Jesus himself told us, hey, this is the most important. Everyone listen. This is the part you highlight. This is the part that you want to focus in on. Hey, if you just love me and you love each other, we're going to be all right. Pretty good, right? So we are to, to love because Jesus told us to. And when we do that, it is a game changer. It is a game changer. I want you to take a moment and think about the people in your life that have impacted you in a good way, that have done something that has made a positive impression and impact in your life, someone that stands in your mind as, as positive. And I, and I would venture to say that it is because they loved well. They loved well. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, verse 4 and 5, it, it, this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth, and, and Paul is saying, you know, there's all these spiritual gifts, and you can have these spiritual gifts, but if, if you don't have love, then none of that really even matters. You got to get the love thing right. And he goes on to say that love is patient. I could use some patience. Definitely in my house, my household, I could use some patience sometimes. This world could definitely use some patience. We could use some patience. It says that love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I don't know about you guys, but as I read off those different things, our world is full of these types of things. The lack of patience, the, love, the lack of kindness, we, we envy so much. We, we're so about our pride that we can't even, can't even see straight. So self-focused, quick to anger. We just came off this election season, quick to anger, <laughs> you know? Like all of these things, I read them, I'm like, Lord, we need some love. We talk about love like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. But when you read it like this, we don't, we don't have this in our, 
our life and our world right now. We need more love. Now, the downside, you're thinking, Devin, how's there a downside to love? The, the downside to love or, or the slippery slope that we can fall into here is that none of us want to live a life of truth and correction, right? Like, we don't want to be corrected or we don't even want to correct. Like, we, we would rather just kind of chill, let things play out the way they are. It's a lot easier, Right? I know Roman does. He, re- he reminded me this week, in fact, that, uh, that no correction would be great. Um, but even as believers, like, we don't, we, we just kind of want to stay away from this. We don't want the conflict. We don't, we want any Enneagram nines in the house. Like, we don't want, we just want peace. We don't want conflict, right? We don't want to tell a friend that's having a good time Hey, like, we don't want to correct anything there. Hey, you, you know, you're having, I know you're having a good time, but like, maybe we should think about what we're doing here, right? We don't want to ruffle those feathers. You know, maybe even someone's struggling because they're kind of living in this life of sin and they're struggling, they're going down and, and they're, they're hitting rock bottom. And, and we just don't, oh, I just love them so much. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt them any worse than they already are. Anyone with me on that? We don't, we don't want that conflict. But if we're going to be real about it, it is just a cop-out. <laughs> we are selfishly looking for the convenient route, right? It's, it's a cop-out. We're just trying to trick ourselves. We're pretty good at that. We can talk ourselves out of things. And what we end up doing here is we just end up enabling them. And it ends up hurting them more. They, they keep digging the hole that they're in even deeper and deeper because we just want to avoid the conflict. So, uh, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine never correcting and telling truth to your child? Like they're born and just like never correcting them ever. That's going to end badly. Like... They're going to get hurt. They're going to get lost. They're certainly going to grow up to to lack godly character traits. Like, it's going to end up bad. Can you guys agree with me on that? Amen. So grandparents, listen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) That was for Jessica and Bobby. Um, so, So, yeah, here we are. We've got one side, truth, where we fall into this thumping over the head with this truth. And then on the other side, on the love side, we're, we're enabling because we're, we just want to avoid the conflict. And so meeting in the middle, what does that look like? What does meeting in the middle look like? Well, I'm going to go back to Ephesians 4. This is where we talked about earlier and Dustin spoke on last week where they were children in their maturity. They, they, they were... Uh, thrown back and forth because they didn't have that truth. They lacked that truth. And right after that, it says, instead, in verse 15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ Christ. 
For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love and each part does its work. See, the title of the message really shouldn't have been truth versus love. It should have been truth in love. When we do this, when we speak in love, it ends up uniting us. It ends up pulling us together. We're able to get on one accord, one mind, right? We can talk through our stuff without battling and fighting. We can talk through things in love. If we move to, to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I like this, this verse. It says, but the goal of our instruction or truth, right? We talked about truth and instruction. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. When we have these things, we have the right posture so that the goal is not the truth. The goal is actually the love, that, that we use the truth to love. Truth serves love. Truth is aiming at love. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. Love is, is glad when truth is spoken. And, and if love is God, we can replace that and say, God is glad when truth is spoken in love. Amen? So how do we do this? How do we speak truth in love? Well, we do it gently and with humility. We do it gently and with humility. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And guys, I know I've got a lot of scripture today. Um, but I can promise you I carved out half of them. There is so much in the scriptures about this topic that we could spend a lot of time talking through this. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, it says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I'll, sometimes I just like when the Bible just says it, you know, <laughs> stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. We must do this, we must do this gently because guys, if we don't do it with kindness, 
and gentleness, this scripture just told us that we can't, we can't reach those that don't know the truth. We must do it with kindness and gentleness. When's the last time someone was barking at you and yelling at you and they convinced you of their way? Right? It was, it was through a loving relationship and a, and a respectful, kind conversation. So here's a practical tip. Going into speaking truth in love, here's a, a practical tip to consider and a question to ask yourself. Ready? What is my motive? What is my motive in this conversation? Is it to, is it to help them or is it to get them? Is it, is it for them or is it for me? What is my true, genuine motive? Because if we can get ourselves in the right posture and we can remember the true why, then that will help us with our approach. That will help us with our mindset. That'll help us with how we are able to articulate that conversation as we look to speak truth in love. What is your motive? So here we go. Can I practice this on you guys? Can I practice speaking truth and love to you? Because I, I've had something on my heart. And this is, the, this is the part that I haven't been looking forward to. So, <laughs> so um, please know that this is coming out of a place of love. Are we all together on that? This is not to hurt. This is truly to help. I want you to think about this. I want you to really challenge yourself on this. I want you to be real enough. Put, yourself, put your pride aside for just a second and hear me out here. I had, I had a lunch uh, about a week and a half ago with a really close friend of mine. And uh, they are much older than me. Um, they might be in the room, uh, much older than me. And we sat down having lunch and, uh, <laughs> and we, you know, with all this election stuff going on, it's crazy, right? And um, they go on to, to express that, man, I don't know that I've ever seen so much division in our country. Like since I've been alive, and like I said, they are old, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they haven't seen this much division. And, and I don't know about y'all, but I can't disagree with that. The division is, is thick. It's thick. And during this election season that we have been in and are on the heels of, I saw a lot of posts on social media. I uh, heard a lot of comments from Christian family and friends of mine. But these posts and these comments were done in a way that put down others that didn't see things the same way they did. 
They, they publicly were to make fun of or mock someone that just doesn't see something the way that they currently do. It was an attempt to publicly humiliate someone that doesn't see things the way that you do. And sadly enough, in some cases, I heard and saw people straight up calling others stupid because they just didn't agree with the thought process of someone else. Let me ask you something. This is stepping on toes, I know it, but again, this is in love. Let me ask you something. What takes precedence in your life? Is it a political view of yours? Or is it the way of God? Because the things that I saw and the things that I heard led to division. It's, it has led to division and more division. Right? You guys with me? It, it's, it's led to more division. But when I read scripture, guys, and when I read the ways of God, our God, it doesn't talk about division. It talks about unity. It talks about unity. So we must be humble. We must be humble enough to just put our thoughts, our opinions, our agenda down just long enough so that we can have a conversation with someone and actually listen to what they have to say as if we're, as if we're truly trying to understand their point of view. Because guys, we're all people. We're all human beings. We, we were all created by God our Father. Amen? We were all created by him. Yeah, that, that Democrat, that Republican was created by God our Father as well. We must be humble enough to take a second and listen to each other because God values them too. You can all stand to your feet. We must speak truth in love with gentleness and kindness. We must be pure at heart if we're really going to truly love one another.